0: with the team that we had last year. I mean, there's our reason not to
1: think that we can get to the Super Bowl. CCR 83, October twenty eighth, 2009. This edition of Cat Grave Radio is brought to you by NFL News and Rumors. The news never sleeps, and neither does NFL News and Rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com.
2: CCR. Ah! Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5,
3: hot style. 89's in the building. Still on a mission, though.
1: Still on a mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans, for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Tom Sorensen of the Charlotte Observer. Nick Yeoman drops by to provide the fans' perspective. There's a visit with the enemy, and we have a recap of the loss to the Bills.
2: Play action fake. Galone sets up, has time, fires it downfield. Intercepted by Jaris Bird at the 45, at the 30, down inside the 20, 15, 10, and he's brought down at the 8-yard line. Lynch Shalone in the backfield. Second and goal at the 7. Fitzpatrick takes, hands it off. And running up the middle, dancing into the end zone, Marshawn Lynch, touchdown, Buffalo! Jackson, the lone setback. Fitzpatrick gives it to him, and it's going to be a safety! Wow! DeLome takes the snap, back to throw, has a pocket, throws down the middle. It is picked up by Jerris Bird at the 40. He's at midfield. Bird at the 40 of the Carolina Panthers, now inside the 30 and brought down at the 27-yard line. Off the hands of Steve Smith, right into the waiting arms of the rookie, Jerris Bird. Second and goal at the two. Fitzpatrick under center with Lynch behind him. Here's the snap. Quick pass, slant pass, looking for Lee Evans. Got him. Touchdown, Buffalo. Waiting for the snap. Snap is good. Kick is on the way. He drills it. A 30-yard money field goal from Ryan Lindell. Has a snap. Hands it to D'Angelo Williams up inside, who's got the first down. Holds away. He's got more than the first down. D'Angelo Williams into the end zone. Touchdown. Mormon gets the kick in the air. And it is bobbled. And it is dropped, and it's a loose ball at the 20-yard line. It is Buffalo ball. Derek Fine comes up with the football. The Buffalo Bills blows out the victory over the Carolina Panthers.
1: Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another
3: edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. What do you call this one? Sunday's loss to the Buffalo Bills can only be described in one word. Ugly. The Carolina Panthers lost a game that they had managed to dominate. Consider that they outgained the Bills 425 to 167. They had 21st downs to the Bills 9. But there's one more telling statistic turnovers. Carolina led in that statistic too, turning the ball over four times to zero for Buffalo. Jake DeLome had another rough day, tossing three more interceptions, two of which set up crucial scores to extend his league-leading total to 13 in six games. You know things have gotten bad when John Fox won't commit to starting DeLome in their next game. And what is lost in all of this is the play of the defense. That 167 yards and nine first downs are impressive, but they also added two sacks in the safety and did it without their leading tackler Thomas Davis in the lineup. But... The topic all week has been, and will continue to be, Jake DeLome. Will he be benched? And if he is sent to the sidelines to hold the clipboard, will it be Matt Moore or A.J. Feely who takes his place? The media can speculate all they want, while the fans, well, they're just not very happy.
2: Hello! Hello!
1: It's time for Panthers fans to sound off.
0: I think they should just bench Jake. I mean, the, 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 we scored only two points against the Buffalo Bills. That's bad, you know. And they're kicking our asses right now. So you know, do part of my language or our butt, you know. But you know, I think they should bench Jake, and I hope we get another quarterback next year. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you know, Tim Tebow be nice, but you know, to have, but you know, that that's just embarrassing. So. I hope they can play better next time, you know what I mean? And uh, maybe with a new quarterback in mind. All right, thanks for taking my call. Hi. Oh, well, my name is Kimberly back. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks, bye. Hey, this is Donada8203 uh, on Twitter. Called in last week. Man, Jake's got to go, dude. I don't, I don't care anymore. He's got to go. Later. Hi, this is Paige in Raleigh, North Carolina. In order for me to keep this car clean, I'll be quick and straight to the point. Bench Jake and Fire Fox. Love your show, Paul. Thanks. Yes, this is David Randolph. I was leaving a comment or uh, saying about Jake alone. I believe they need to. I realize that it's time for him to sit down and they can use the backup now, either more or A.J. Philly because uh, I believe Jake is, is done. So I hope they can we can turn it around. I've been a Carolina fan for a long time, since 96, since they came out. And it's time for a change. Maybe the offensive line can, you know, do better. Because I saw the game where they played Buffalo, and it won a lot on the offensive line. They was doing protection, but Jake was overthrowing them. So I hope now that it's a turnaround.
3: If you'd like to voice your opinions on the team, give us a call. The number is 206 206- 350 9673. Nine three. Maybe we should rename this the Jake Hotline, but for now we'll just continue to call it the Cat Crave Radio Hotline. Either way, give us a shout. Call in and leave a message, and we'll use it on the show. The number again is 206 350 9673. Now let's be honest here. At 2 and 4, these aren't the most optimistic of times in Carolina. The Panthers could have climbed back to within one game of the Falcons with a win. Instead, they're two back of second place and far back of 6-0 New Orleans. Up next is a road trip to Arizona to play the Cardinals.
2: you feel like you've done enough to
1: remain starting?
2: I mean... <laughs> In in my heart, yeah. But I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not a. I don't think I'm a dummy. You know, I mean, it's uh, you know, when you're not playing well offensively, you always have to look at the quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt. I'm I'm certainly not looking to give it up by any by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, let's be real here. It's um, two big turnovers that really you know really affected
3: us. It's time once again for the Panther preview. Joining us, it is Nick Yeoman, and well, Nick, it seems that. Now, Jake isn't so sure. He says in his heart he knows that he, you know, he can do the job, but he's not sure if he can be the starter anymore. So, after that game against Buffalo. Your thoughts on Jake?
4: Well, I'm I'm glad that Jake's still confident in himself, but uh, (laughs) I can't say that there are very many Panther fans that are still confident that Jake can get the job done. I personally, I think it's time. I think it's time two and four with the the remaining schedule being as difficult as it is. This team's not going to the playoffs. Um, so I think it's time to find out that if you have that future quarterback, you know the the heartwarming story like Matt Moore, maybe an undrafted guy that can can he can you know duplicate the Jake Delhomme story. Maybe you give AJ Feely a shot. Uh, it's time to find out if that quarterback of the future is on the roster, or you need to go get him because I don't think you can just leave Jake Delhomme in and uh, watch him just blow games for you like he has time and time again, so no, no confidence in him at all, and it's going to be interesting to see what John Fox, what decision he makes, because boy, uh, just about everyone's calling for Jake's head
3: right now. I've been watching you over on, on YouTube a lot lately, and with a season going on like this, there's always material for you to talk about, and doing your videos and everything, and and I know you did one video, the look on your face, of course, was priceless after the loss to Buffalo, and, and I've been waiting for the next one, and so, and I know this is something that's going to come out of every Panthers fan's mouth this week. We're all going to say one of two names. Either A, it's going to be Matt Moore, or B, it's going to be A.J. Feely. In your opinion, who should it be?
4: I think it should be Matt Moore. I really do. I think A.J. Feely, only been with the team for, for, what, I mean, four or five weeks now. I don't know if he's got the, got the playbook down as well as he does. And, and we've seen... We haven't seen a lot from Matt Moore, and that's that's the really scary part about it is, is yeah, Matt came in in that, in that horrible season, the injury plague season a couple years ago, and, and he played okay, and, and he made some plays, and that's the, that's the weary part about it is you don't want to jump to too many conclusions just because of how he played late in the season when a lot of teams are packing it in. But uh, I think it's got to be Matt Moore because he's got what you would hope is the most upside. A.J. Feely's not a long-term answer. And really, uh, if you really think about it, putting A.J. Feely out there is just about as good as putting Jake DeLome out there. Maybe he doesn't make the mistakes uh, that Jake does, but A.J. Feely's not going to win you a lot of games. He's not going to make you plays. And he's certainly not going to be the answer for the future. So I think the guy has to be Matt Moore. Let him go out there see if he can manage the game, let him run the football, hand it off to D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. And, and if he can just get Steve Swift the ball, get the tight end. These tight ends are having great seasons, breakout seasons. If he can get the ball to Barnage and King and Rosario, uh, then we can find out. But I think it's got to be Matt Moore. I think that's the guy that I would go
3: with. Love all of the people. And, I, you know, writers, reporters, they, they have opinions too. And I know they want to report facts. But then eventually they're going to eventually just write a column and say, this is my opinion, and throw it out there. Even if it's sports, you can still do op-ed stuff. And Tom Sorensen, and we'll talk to him later in the show, but, I mean, the the guy wrote this thing this week that just, I don't know, when he said it, because he's normally a very optimistic individual, he had said, it's over, the season is over, hope is lost now. And I think I'm getting that feeling, too. Are you getting that all hope is lost feeling?
4: Yeah absolutely am. I I, 100% that the season is over, and I'll tell you what, I've gone from, um, and you could probably sense in my most recent vid, I went from being angry to now it's just sad. Like, you know, everyone has in the Charlotte area and and all the Panthers fans, we've all had so much, you know, so much respect for Jake DeLome, uh, for the type of person he is and and for the type of person John Fox is, and and to be honest with you now, when I look at this team losing to Buffalo, it's just a horrible loss. Now I look at it and it's just sad to know that, that this is probably the way Jake DeLome's going to go out, that this is probably the way John Fox is going to go out. Do I do I hope they can turn it around and put a miraculous run together and beat some great playoff teams, of course, um, but I just don't see it. And, and at the end of the day, this week, last couple of days, I've really thought about it and, and it's just, it's really sad to see uh, to see Jake DeLome, a guy that, that so many people have stuck behind, so a guy that you can rally behind, uh, that he has to go out like this. I mean, he brought it upon himself, but don't get me wrong, I mean, Jake's... Jake's the one that's that's out there making the poor decisions, but it's, uh, it's just gone to a point where it's sad now.
3: Okay, the other guy, and they seem to be joined at the hip. At least every fan seems to think that, and that is, you know, Jake and Fox, you know, somewhere along the line, they must have gotten married or whatever, and I see that on a lot of the message boards, but... It seems Fox just is not going to save his job. Uh, No matter what he does, he's probably damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, I think, at this point, because the playoffs are more than likely out of the question. So, if Fox is gone, and we know that his fate is pretty much sealed as it is, should they let him go now, or do they wait until the season is over?
4: Uh I think letting a guy go mid-season ever really does any good. I, I don't know if – obviously with that, that coaching talent, that coaching pool that's out there, a lot of big names. We've talked about this time and time again. Guys like Cower and Holmgren and Belich- or, uh, Billick – and there's a lot of big names out there that you could get, Gruden as well. Um, and I don't think any of those guys are going to jump to a team mid-season. So I think you probably have to let it ride out. Um, and at the same time, I don't know how much that, that a coach could come in mid-season and change. I mean, yeah, you get guys motivated, and that's that's one thing. Uh, but I think you have to wait till the end of the season change and let that coach take over uh you know starting fresh heading into a new season
3: well it's too bad that we have to look back at this game but i suppose it's you know it's part of what we do here every week let's grade the defense against the bills
4: i'll give the defense a b and it's it's you know same old story with this defense they just time and time again uh been put in tough tough situations because of turnovers, uh, they didn't play a perfect game, obviously, you know, Buffalo went down late in the game and scored on them, which was disappointing, but but uh, really, you know, the fumble by Kenneth Moore on the punt, the Jake DeLome interceptions, it just really put this defense in poor positions, and it's amazing, they still, they're now the number one rated defense against the pass, uh, but, you know, a two and four record is, is really what they're going to hang their hats on, so uh, I'd give them a B, once again, not playing bad, but uh, boy, it's not translating any wins.
3: And we know you're probably going to give Jake an F. Grade the offense for us, I guess. Throw Jake into the picture too. and you know, with him, it can't be pretty.
4: Yeah, the offense has got to—it's got to get an F. Yeah, I don't care if you put up if Jake throws for three hundred twenty-five yards. It's the three interceptions that you're going to remember. I just the yardage was there, but you got to put points up on the board, and you got to take care of the ball, and you got to put your defense in good position. So, I mean, it may kind of sound kind of crazy that I give them an F after they gained, you know, four hundred twenty-five total yards, but when you only put up nine points. Uh, against a Buffalo team that was coming into this game the worst uh, in the National Football League against running attacks. And you've got D'Angelo Williams only getting 89 yards, Jonathan Stewart only touching the ball seven times. Uh, That deserves an F in my opinion.
3: We're going to step aside for just a minute. When we come back, we'll start breaking down this Sunday's matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. Also still to come is our visit with the enemy and our conversation with Tom Sorensen.
1: Stay with us. We'll be back before you even know we're gone. There's more Cat Crave Radio coming up.
2: All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views.
0: Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40!
2: Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about Not a game, not a game, not a game. Beinsided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet.
3: It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boomer Bust and joining us to play the game. It is YouTube video veteran Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game?
2: I sure am, John. Let's do it.
3: We will start you off with the matchup of Jay Cutler versus the Browns. Well,
4: matchup for Cutler, Uh, you know, the Browns, they really don't do anything right, anything very well, so stopping Cutler is probably not going to happen. I expect him and that entire Bears offense to be a boom.
3: Ahmad Bradshaw versus the Eagles.
4: I don't see the Giants, or their running game, getting things rolling on Sunday. You know, Sean McDermott, he's going to send plenty of pass and run blitzes at Bradshaw and the Giants, and I think they're going to slow him down. Uh, I think Bradshaw's in for a bust-type weekend.
3: Tony Romo versus the Seahawks.
4: Well, we all know how Tony Romo usually plays against Seattle, but I don't expect to see Butterfinger Romo. I expect I expect to see Pinpoint playmaking Romo. If he keeps tossing the pigskin to Miles Austin, I think he'll have no problem being a boom this weekend.
3: Ronnie Wildcat Brown versus the Jets.
4: Well, stopping Ronnie Brown and that Dolphins Wildcat offense, it's no easy feat, uh, but I think the Jets defense is up for the task. You know, Brown may get his yards, but I just don't see him making those big plays that Miami's going to need for the win or to win big. So I'm going to say he's a bust.
3: Joe Flacco versus the Browns.
4: Josh McDaniels has this Denver defense playing really well, and I think a lot of it has to do with the emotional leader, Brian Dawkins, the guy that, you know, the Eagles kind of rode off. I don't see Joe Flacco finding the holes in that secondary, so I expect him to be a bust this weekend as well.
3: Adrian Peterson versus the Packers.
4: You know, Adrian Peterson should have a big day against Green Bay. I mean, there are a few teams out there that can actually slow down uh, number 28. The Packers, they're, they're 12th against the rush this year. That's nothing to be ashamed of, but I don't think that's good enough to stop AP from being a boom.
3: Moving on to our very unfortunate matchup, Kurt Warner versus our Panthers.
4: Yeah, now I know that Carolina has the top-rated passing defense in the league, but I, I don't know if the Panthers can get pressure on Kurt Warner. They didn't do it last January, and I just don't see him do it this week either. I think Warner will have a good weekend.
3: D'Angelo Williams versus the Cardinals.
4: Well, this this is strength on strength. I mean, I don't know if D'Will can, can find a lot of success. I don't think they're going to shut him down. Uh, this Cardinal defense can do that. But considering they only, gave up, they only gave up 67.5 yards per game on the ground, I have... Stay on the safe side and say bust for D'Angelo.
3: Larry Fitzgerald versus our Panthers.
4: Well, everyone remembers the nightmare of Larry Fitzgerald, you know, eight, eight pass catches for 166 yards and a touchdown. I'll be honest, it felt more like, you know, 20 catches for about 500. I don't feel like the Panthers can stop him. I mean, if they mix it up, they send Chris Harris at him, lay a couple good licks, maybe they can slow him down. But Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a boom.
3: Finally, Jake DeLome versus the Cardinals. If he plays.
4: Yeah, if he plays, that's the big question. But if he does, I don't expect much. When Jake, when he gives me something other than a heart attack, every time he drops back to pass, I'll pick him to boom. Uh, But not after that pathetic performance against Buffalo. He will be a bust again this weekend and probably on until the rest of the season if he continues to start.
3: Well, Nick, as always, we appreciate you playing the game with us.
4: Hey, I appreciate it, John. It's, It's good therapy for
1: me. This show exists for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. Tell us what you think by sending us an email at radio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Now, the Crave continues. And welcome back to part two of the Panther
3: preview and the show. And apparently with fans where... Maybe everybody's favorite internet browser is Firefox I'm not sure I guess it is still with us is uh, Nick Yeoman Nick let's look ahead to that Arizona game they're next on the schedule unfortunately in a trip to the desert is this our Super Bowl um, <laughs> I
4: don't know if you can, I don't know if you can label it our Super Bowl um, boy isn't it ironic that, that when we finally, probably finally hit rock bottom after losing to a bad Buffalo team. we got to play Arizona. I-, I wouldn't label it our Super Bowl. Uh, we're a 2-4 and four team. <laughs> the Panthers are they're a bad football team right now. But, yeah, you would hope that this Arizona game would be a, a game where they could go for some redemption, go for some revenge. But I-, I don't know if I could label it our Super Bowl,
3: John. Well, I can't wait for Christmas because I want to have visions of sugar fairies dancing through my head as opposed to visions of Larry Fitzgerald dancing through my frickin' skull because I've- I can still see him killing us at home on our field in the playoffs. Let's talk about the defense. How do we handle Larry Fitzgerald and the Cardinals' offense?
4: Well, that's that's no easy task because, as you mentioned it, that game that he had against the Panthers last January, oh, just absolutely brutal. You know, the Panthers, like I, like I said, they're good against the pass so far this season. Um, I look at that, you know, one of two ways. Yeah, they're playing well. You know, maybe Ron Meeks' scheme looks good, but a lot of times the defense is getting put in situations where you know their opponents only have to go 20 yards into the end zone, and they mainly run the football. So I think you got to throw a lot of different looks at him, mix him up with that zone. Uh, you know, maybe put a couple big hits on him. If Chris Harris can can lay a couple good licks on Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's not the type of wide receiver that's going to get scared, but you know, put a couple good licks on him if he comes across the middle. And you just got to have a couple guys on him all game long. It's not going to be easy, but. Uh, if, if you give Kurt Warner all day to throw, like we gave him in January, uh, he's going to pick them apart. So uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. If, if I had a if I had a, uh, a way and a, a style and a design of how to stop the Arizona offense, I probably could make some money, and I'd probably get a job somewhere in the National Football League.
3: Maybe John Fox uses this to his advantage. One of those negatives you turn into a positive during the week, where the opponent doesn't know who your starting quarterback will be. How does our offense stack up against the Arizona defense, whether it's Jake or Matt or A.J.?
4: Well, it starts with running the ball. That's obviously the Panthers' strength, but Arizona's number one in the league against the rush, so you're going to have to get something out of a passing game. I mean, remember a couple years ago, Vinny Testaverde came in and started and, and led the Panthers to a big win on the road against Arizona, but I just don't see it. Uh, it's going to be tough. you got to give whoever that quarterback is time. And, uh, boy, you gotta find someone other than Steve Smith that, that can catch the ball and get open. Is it Gary Barnage? I hope so. Uh, he looked pretty good in that Buffalo game. Dwayne Jarrett, where have you been? Musin Muhammad got a little banged up. So you gotta find somebody other than Steve Smith that can make plays and you can throw the ball to. But it's not gonna be easy because I, I watched that uh, Cardinals Giants game on Sunday night. And, boy, I'll tell you what, that Cardinal defense, everyone flies around the field 11 of the ball hitting people it's, it's really impressive to see what Ken Wizenham's done and and uh, it's not going to be easy for the Panthers on Sunday
3: well we both have to make a prediction this week unfortunately um, how do you see this one turning out
4: oh <laughs> Take a wild guess. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Um, You know, if last week's performance means anything, then this game shouldn't be even any even close. Like I said, Arizona looked really good, and the Panthers have so many problems right now at quarterback and special teams that I just don't have faith that if if it's Jake that plays, I don't think he can get it done. I don't even know if Matt Moore can get it done against Arizona the way they're playing. Um, The Panthers have the talent. I mean, that's never going to be an issue, but they're just not playing well enough. I'd, I'd probably take Arizona. 24-13, twenty four to thirteen I just I just can't see the panthers offense uh you know finding their stride and, and putting up a lot of points on Sunday
3: well Nick we'll continue to check you out over on the YouTube channel because you know I know eventually you're gonna have to go for props and get yourself a rope and maybe tie a noose in it but you know just for dramatic effect but uh <laughs> we appreciate you being here with us for the already the boomer bust and and the preview if we can get you to stick around to do a pick' you know. Yeah, that that'd
2: be great john
4: and, and the last thing i want to say is as you mentioned you know over on the videos it's amazing you know obviously there's a there's a select fan base the panthers fans that watch my videos that want to hear my insight but remember there's 31 other fan bases that love hearing you talk about your team after they look awful and lose so yeah it is it's fun doing the vids and, and i'm gonna be entertaining quite a few people because they a lot of people love seeing this team struggle
3: i will look forward to some picks later
4: I appreciate it, John.
3: Thanks. This is Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is Tom Sorensen. Of course, you all know Tom from the Charlotte Observer. Tom, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Love doing the show. Tom, that loss Sunday, I I don't know that they get tougher than that one. Um, that, That was pretty nasty. And I know I read your last column, and I was going to ask you before I read that column if you thought the playoffs or any hope for the playoffs had vanished now. It sounded like your thoughts were that the season is over.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't think there were hope for the past before, but but what a team really needs to give its fans is hope. And if they had won three in a row, even against two bad teams uh, in, in Washington and Tampa, and a mediocre one in Buffalo, uh, they still count as victories. And so then you got a little momentum going into Arizona, um, and then the schedule gets really tough. But what this meant to me was this: this, this is the end of it. There is no hope. And frankly. Uh, they now go into rebuilding mode. And basically, rebuilding begins today. And it's a terribly flawed team. I mean, right now, I don't think you have a legitimate backup quarterback on the roster. And the one component that, that people really haven't talked about is there's not a wide receiver on the roster to complement Steve Smith. Uh, it's, really been, uh, it's really been tough. I mean, Musandis is just not getting open anymore. And they need another receiver that line up opposite Steve who can at least Here's a defensive coordinator. least Bacon thinks, "Hmm, I can't double Steve every time with impunity,"
4: and that
0: that hasn't happened. So I think, you know, when the season ends, training begins, and uh, we'll get a taste whatever comes
3: next. You see, quarterbacks or any player having a, a few rough games, and they, you know, they may struggle at times. But Jake has just—I mean, the guy has experienced a meltdown. I mean, of epic proportions do you think benched or not this week whether fox pulls the plug on him do you think that jake is finished in charlotte i
0: i think it's over i mean i just can't see, i can see him at a moment, but i can't see him ever doing what he did before and you know people it's whatever happened last but but you know last season Delone led the team to a 12 and 4 record and the panthers had a mediocre defense you can't do that if you're not a good quarterback and he was good last season but it just came undone against Arizona, and it has not come back to fruition this season. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Fox does against Arizona, because Arizona started the, the demise. And, and will Jake get the opportunity to, to sort of show that, you know, get the team? You know, because players think that way. A lot of them do. Or is it, or will Moore start this weekend? And I, as so at this juncture,
3: I don't know. Well, you mentioned that Arizona game, and that that does seem to be where uh, the team's undoing began. But in 16 games, he had 12 interceptions. Last year, they had as many wins as he had interceptions. And now, already, 13 interceptions, and that only in six games. Is something wrong with him? Is anybody talking about something physically being wrong with him? Or maybe did that just get in his head and mess up his psyche?
0: I just think the NFL is different than the NBA and it's different than Major League Baseball and that there's a power, there's a change in the power structure every season. You know, people keep saying, "Well, why aren't the Panthers twelve and four again?" And of course, last season nobody said, "Why aren't the Panthers seven and nine again?" And, and players get old and they take a beating, and I don't know if it's physical or if or what, but Jake obviously is not the same quarterback, and you know he is. He threw a pass, a high pass to, to Barnage, the first interception that uh, a young Dick Thompson, I don't think, could have gotten up there and caught him. And uh, it just—you uh, know—it's unfortunate. And it, but it just goes. I don't—you know—I've uh, heard from fans that it's, it's, his arm hasn't been the same since surgery. But I don't think it's arm strength per se. It's just accuracy. And you know, he, Jake said it best. He said, "You have to score touchdowns, and the quarterback's touching the ball every play on offense, and you have to leave the team to touchdowns." And he didn't.
3: Well, I've had a, a, a little bit of a theory on that, and I, and I could be wrong on this, but a change at the quarterback coach position, bringing in Rip Shearer, listening to him talk during training camp, it sounded like the two of them got together immediately. I mean, the guy had basically just, I mean, the ink wasn't even dry on his contract, and they were already meeting in Louisiana. He'd gone down to see Jake, and they started working on his mechanics could there be something at work there where maybe Jake has been overcoached and maybe they're trying to change too much?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, think, think about your own career, all of it. And you're going to do what you want is to work somebody who puts you in position to do your best work. You want to be pushed or prodded, but you also want to have an opportunity to, to do what you know you can do. And you know, Jake, before, there was just a... Uh, Connection there that maybe isn't there now, but I, I can't say unequivocally it was changed. You know, it, it, my guess is there's not one single component that's coming together of a variety of factors, and one of them is that, you know, he looks out there and there's Moose covered, and there's Kenneth Moore covered, and Jared looks good in practice, but in games, Jared's covered, and he's got, you know, he throws to tight ends with impunity. That's worked. He threw to his back yesterday, but he's going to look for Steve. And there's nobody else out there to make a defense pay for, you know, chipping Steve at the line and then sometimes devoting two players to him when, he, when he's out into the secondary. So I, I, it's just a, a confluence, I think, of factors. And, uh, and, yeah, I think you have a good point. I think that's one of them.
3: I know players get a little surly, a little unhappy, and uh, maybe even um, you'll sense the mood after any loss. But the way this loss occurred – The fact that they had a shot at a five hundred record, like you said, and now instead of being three and three at two and four, and more or less, you know, seeing their season go down the drain, do you sense a mood among the players? Is it really? I mean, do do you feel that they're really, really down right now?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, yesterday the the uh, the mood wasn't anger; it was just sadness. And to their credit, Jake said it's my fault and John Casey said, it's my fault, and Kenneth Moore said, it's my fault, and Steve Smith went to Moore, you know, just a crushing mistake, and, and tried to comfort him, and um, uh, Chris Harris his back playing again, had one great hit yesterday, he said, we're not point fingers. I mean, it really is, and I've been around a lot of teams, and it's a stand-up a collection of guys that I've been around. You know, people think of Steve as being petulant, and at times, but I didn't think saying, I'm not an asset, was Petula. And, 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 you know, he was really hurt yesterday, uh, not so much by the loss, but by the fact that he lost a mentor, his uh, junior college coach, who really was like a father figure to him. And so, it um, yesterday, th- there was just sadness everywhere you turned. And Jake, Jake looked shell-shocked, and it was really the first time I've seen that from him. He just looked like, reminded me a little bit of David Carr.
3: The talk is going to be about Jake, obviously, and one other guy, and it always seems to come back to those two people anytime you see something like this happen your quarterback and your head coach. So, how hot is John Fox's seat right now? And if he is really, really on the hot seat, what do you think has to happen to save his job?
0: I don't, I don't think he can. I mean, I wrote two weeks ago that Fox just finished after the season. And, you know, a lot of fans are saying, fire him now. I mean, Daniel Snyder doesn't own this team. And even Daniel Snyder's only fired a coach, Schottenheimer, in midseason once, and it was You know, fans ran franchises, there'd be constant change, and there'd be no continuity, and they would be the Washington Redskins. The Fox will last a season, but I can't fathom him being the head coach of this team next season. It's over for him, because they're not going to make the playoffs, and I think that's what it would have taken. and you know, there are times Paul Silas, the NBA coach, the former Hornets coach, told me once, he said, y- you tell players the same things over and over again, and they stop listening. And that we may have reached that point. The Panthers just don't look like an inspired group, and they're predictable, and it just uh, Fox has done a really solid job here, but I think his time is over, and I think Jake's time is over, too.
3: Any odds that we see the jaw on the sidelines for the Panthers?
0: Everybody says that. Because there, there really is a, a really strong connection respect between Pittsburgh and Carolina, between the Rooney family and Jerry Richardson. But what people are missing is what, what Pittsburgh has done three times in a row is they've hired a young coach. They hired Chuck Knoll when he was 35. They hired Cower when he was 37. And hired Tomlin when he was 35. So three times they've identified the next top coach and went after him. And I think that's what the Panthers will do. I mean, they hired three head coaches. Uh, only one was established, and that was Seifert. And how'd that work out? But he, uh, you know, he brought in Don Papers, who was then a uh, a young assistant, and he brought in Fox. The time he hired Fox, everybody was pushing for Steve Spurrier. Uh, Spurrier was a flashy guy, and didn't last. And uh, uh, you know, Fox has done a solid job, and, and he was not well known. And I think what they will do. Is go and hire somebody that that was going to surprise us. I think it'll surprise me less than most because I don't think it's going to be Cowher. I think it's going to be somebody who is just sort of simmering, who's, who's a head coach somewhere else, or you know, in a different league somewhere, uh, the CFL, or is a, a coordinator in the uh, NFL. Well,
1: Tom,
3: we'll uh, we appreciate you taking time to. Talk to us this week and um, taking
1: time out of your schedule to be with us.
3: Sure,
0: I appreciate you having me on.
1: More Cat Gray Radio is on the way.
5: This heavyweight bout is about to begin. What's the champ wearing?
2: Looks like an examination gown. And from the back... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the get-up? I've got to take care of my family, so I'm getting those important medical screenings. (laughs) The fight is over! Champ, you look pretty healthy out there tonight. But I'm still getting those tests.
1: For a list of tests you need, go to AHRQ.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to AHRQ.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ,
3: and the Ad Council. It is time once again to pick some games. Joining us is Nick Yeoman for that very cast. Nick, are you ready to pick them, sir?
4: I am ready to pick them, John.
3: We'll start you off with the big matchup of the Broncos and Ravens.
4: You know, I, I think the Broncos are just a little too complete of a team to slip up against Baltimore. If the Ravens turn on the heat and get to Kyle Orton, uh, they may find success. But Kyle Orton just doesn't make mistakes, which means Denver should pick up the win, and I think they will on Sunday.
3: Dolphins and Jets.
4: The Jets have just been way too inconsistent, and the Dolphins seem to be uh, consistently mediocre. You know, if the Jets bring their A game, uh, with, my, with Mark Sanchez included in that, well, like I expect them to, I think they can win. So give me the Jets and a close one.
3: Giants and Eagles.
4: Well, these two teams are, are pointed in different directions. The Giants coming off of two straight losses, and Philly looked pretty good against Washington, especially uh, former Panthers linebacker Will Witherspoon. The Eagles are the hotter team, so they get the win. Browns and Bears. The Bears are looking for a big-time bounce back against Cleveland. Cedric Benson just embarrassed them last week. Um, I see Jay Cutler ripping that Browns secondary apart and getting the Bears back on track in the NFC North.
3: The matchup of the century, the Rams and the Lions.
4: Yeah, two of the league's absolute worst teams going to battle this Sunday. I think Detroit is set up a little better for the future, and it should show this Sunday. Give me the Lions to win the pillow fight over St. Louis.
3: Seahawks and Cowboys.
4: Dallas really showed the league something last week. Boy, when when Tony Romo and Miles Lawson lit up that Falcons defense, I expect that to continue this weekend against Seattle. DeMarcus Ware going to bring in his new contract extension and his A game, and the boys pick up another win.
3: Niners and Colts.
4: Uh, I'm really starting to think that the Colts may be the best team in the league right now and their domination of the NFC West should continue this Sunday. I think this matchup, it all depends on the quarterback situation. It looks like Alex Smith's getting a start, but really, whether it's Peyton Manning versus Sean Hill or Peyton Manning versus Alex Smith, give me Manning and give me the Colts.
3: Texans and Bills.
4: Well, Matt Schaub is another one of these quarterbacks, really, just finally showing everyone why the Texans franchise spent so much money on them, mixing the fact that Andre Johnson's playing at a very high level and that defense can really make some plays. I see Houston stopping Buffalo's bid for three straight wins. Give me the Texans. Raiders and Chargers. The Oakland Raiders looked absolutely terrible against the Jets last week, which is bizarre because they look like an actual NFL team against the Eagles <laughs> the week before that. I think North Turner picks up an easy win over Tom Cable's bunch.
3: Jaguars and Titans
4: well, both of these teams are usually you know nipping at the heels of the Indianapolis Colts to lead in the NFC South this year uh, this year however they're just trying to stop the ship from sinking. I think the Titans pick up a Titanic first win uh, and beat Jacksonville in a game that nobody will watch.
3: Here's a matchup everybody's going to be watching the Vikings and the Packers.
4: Well, yeah, and that storyline is going to be Brett Favre heading back to Lambeau Field, but it should be that the winner is going to get a big-time advantage uh, from here on out in the NFC North. I think Green Bay pays the Vikings back from that loss that, that, that they dealt the pack earlier, and Brett Favre becomes an afterthought. Give me the Green Bay Packers.
3: Falcons and Saints.
4: Well, this is the game of the year thus far for the NFC South, but I think it's going to depend on whose defense plays better. I I think it's going to be the Saints. You know, they make a lot of plays, especially Darren Sharper, that secondary. Drew Brees and the Saints pick up the win and continue to pull away in the NFC South.
3: Partly because I have to, and I guess partly because I'm sadistic that way, Panthers and Cardinals will do it again.
4: Boy, you are sadistic. Just, just stop bringing it up. It's, well, I'll tell you what. I, if the Panthers, if the defensive line can get pressure on Warner and lock down uh, Larry Fitzgerald and make this a defensive battle, then maybe D'Angelo Williams can break free. I just don't see it happening. And uh, like I said, I like Arizona by 11 points.
3: Well, we have been keeping score for you, Nick, uh, 9-4 and last week and overall 71-32 and on the season. We will continue to keep track and keep score.
2: Hey, that's not bad. I'll, uh, I'll try to get these good this week. This is Travel Ward. This Cat
3: Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. We've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline, a.k.a. the Jake Hotline. Call 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or on the show. Good, bad, indifferent. It doesn't matter what you have to say. Just say it. Tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 206-350-9673.
2: Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Jason Wright in the backfield. Warner takes. Straight drop back. Throws to Wright on the middle screen. Caught at the five. He'll dance. And he'll get in. Touchdown, Cardinals.
3: It's time now to check in with the enemy. Oh, boy, talk about an enemy, too. The team that started it all for us. It's time to play the Cardinals again, and joining us to represent the Arizona Cardinals, it's Scott Allen, the lead writer for RaisingZona.com. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, Scott, before I jumped into our normal list of questions I'd looked at at your results, or the Cardinals' results this season, and you start off a little bit rough in September. You guys have really gotten it together. And, I mean, you have to consider the last three weeks for the Cardinals and not just a three-game winning streak, but against three, you know, two decent teams and then one very good team. You beat Houston, you've beaten Seattle on the road, and you've just taken care of the Giants on Sunday night in their place. I mean, you guys are on a roll right now. You guys have got to be feeling really good about yourselves. I mean, are the fans really, really high on this team?
5: I think, they're, I think they're coming around. You know, there was a lot of skepticism, obviously, early, as you said, with the September schedule and and the way that they played in the preseason. You know, go ahead. You know, they did nothing in the preseason. And then to put one and two out the out of the gates, and you know, and the both losses were at home, a place where they went undefeated last year, you know. It, or actually they did, like, what, seven and six and two, I believe is what they went last year at home. Anyway, they're considered a stronger home team and, uh, you know, they just, you know, there's a lot of skepticism but obviously the last three weeks have started to turn people around, starting to believe again. You know, they obviously, as you said, they played a couple of, they played a couple of decent teams. They played Houston, played the real tough and had to make two great defensive stands there at the end of the game to win that one and then, you had the Seattle game, where they probably played their most complete game of the season. But granted, Seattle was a little banged up, and, you know, they were playing with a makeshift offensive line, but Seattle was coming off a 41 uh thrashing of, of Jacksonville the week before, a team that the Cardinals had beaten 31-17 themselves back in September. But, you know, this obviously last night uh, opened up a bunch of eyes, you know, I I think... Yeah, the, the Giants have some issues with themselves to work out, and you know they gave credit to the Cardinals where the credit was due. I was reading some things about the, the New York media didn't give them too much uh, too much credit. You know they thought that they that they got uh, you know they got so hoosed on a couple of calls, and um, you know especially there in the fourth quarter. But it goes both ways. You know the Cardinals didn't get a couple of calls, and I, I think. I read one writer um, from ESPN.com who said that uh, the Cardinals are legitimate, and they were right. You know what? Because now, with Carolina coming up this week, you know, they're licking their chops, you know, and was, really with the whole schedule that they have for the next five weeks in November, it would be real disappointing if they don't go 4-1, and one, and I think they should go 5-0, and zero, you know, and then going 9-2 and heading into December. And I got a couple of tough games in December with uh, uh, Minnesota and, you um, and then they got Green Bay to finish a season the first week of January. So, you know, it, and it's one of those things where they're, now you look at, at a schedule that once was considered pretty tough. Obviously winning getting winning the division last year gives them a first-place schedule this year. But they've taken care of the, the Giants. And now, of course, as one of the benefits of getting a first-place schedule, you play one of last year's first-place teams. You get Carolina. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad that that game is here and not back east. So, again, we can talk about the Cardinals' woes back east, no matter how good or bad a team is. They always talk about the Cardinals' woes back east, and they, they kind of shut those critics up a little bit last night.
3: We all know Larry Fitzgerald's name. He, We see him in our sleep here around, in and around Charlotte or any Panthers fan. I'm sure we do. We know that guy way too well and those dreads hanging out of the back of his helmet. But... Speaking of Larry Fitzgerald, the Cardinals offense, do we expect more of the same? Is it Larry Fitzgerald, or now are you going to introduce us to Beanie Wells? How do you think the Cardinals will be uh, trying to take care of business against our defense?
5: Well, <laughs> you know, it's a good question. <laughs> you know you've got, uh, yeah, Beanie, I introduced you to Beanie Wells. You know, I would like to and introduce Beanie Wells a little bit more. You know, he's starting to come around. He's got, you know, obviously he's going to be the go-to guy, I think, for the rest of the season. He's He got what, 14 carries last night and uh, rushed for 67 yards and um, by far had his best game as a, as a pro. He's still having a little bit of fumble-itis issues. He did fumble once last night. He was lucky the ball bounced out of bounds. Um, but, you know, he showed a couple of really good stiff arms, and, uh, you know, he showed good burst of speed to the outside. And um, I think he's going to be getting the ball more and more, you know, because Hightower's run into a little bit of fumble himself. He fumbled the ball on the first drive last night, and I think they're going to go back to using Hightower as the short yardage guy, you know, much like they used him last night after he fumbled that ball. He only got a couple more carries for the rest of the game. You know, one of them happened to be a touchdown run, a one-yard touchdown run. You know, so I, I think you are going to see a steady dose of, of Beanie. Now, are they going to be rushing ball twenty-five or thirty times a game? No, they're going to rush when they need to rush, and they're going to continue to use their bread and butter to, using their their passing game. You know, that's that's you know what got them here, and they're they're not going to go away from that. You know, certainly I would like to see Beanie get maybe four or five more carries a game. You know, kind of approaching the twenty twenty carry plateau, and if he does that. Especially with something like last night, where he averages almost five yards carry, he has a chance to get a hundred yards, you know, and uh, maybe score a touchdown or two. You know, the wide receiver core is a little banged up, but Preston has shown that uh, you know he can play with uh, with an injury. And looking so at Anquan, Anquan certainly he looked a little hobbled last night, you know, and, but they gave him pretty good. Uh, Bill health today. They said he did, he came out on unscathed. He didn't incur any further injury, and sounds like he'll be uh, he'll be ready to play this Sunday.
3: Well, now that defense of yours, I think, is probably the most shocking part of of what we saw on Sunday night against the Giants. We all knew about the offense. The defense, though, coming in like they did and and playing as well as they did on the road against the Giants. Do we expect more of that? Are they just, you know, are they going to load up and stop the run against the Panthers and and just force them to throw the football? I mean, how would you expect them? I mean, based on the the personality of that defense, do you expect them to just kind of give you more of the same, play it straight up, or add a guy in the box?
5: Well, that's a good question. You know, I don't know. Obviously, the defense defense has... uh, been very stingy against the run. You know they've they've believe it's twelve straight games now where they haven't given up a hundred yard rusher, and it doesn't look like they've done anything differently over the last three or four weeks. You know they come with the same the, the, the same game plan. Um, obviously you got to tailor it to who you're playing a little bit, but I think they could, they're going to stick to what they're doing. Yeah, they they do a lot of blitzing. You know, and I think even they surprised me last night a little bit with uh, some blitzing uh, when New York had the ball inside the five yard line. They got burned by it eventually, but you know they—they they sure you know because the front four can get to that get to the quarterback pretty quick, and they've they've proven that no matter who they're playing, they can get around those guys and get around offensive lines, and uh, you know. It's tough to say what they're going to do. You know, I haven't heard too much about what their plan is against Carolina yet. Obviously, we're just, you know, 24 hours removed from the the Giants game. But I, I can't imagine them – they'll probably look at game tapes of what they did against Carolina in the playoff game. You know, you, you, even though Carolina's running game hasn't proven to be what most people thought it should be with uh, Williams and Stewart, um, I think that you've uh, – uh, I think there's still there's still got to be some some bit of a concern there. The Cardinals just need to prove that they can play uh, week in and week out consistently, and I think against the run they're they're doing that. The pass is where they they really need to. Uh, you Where know, they're giving up their, their yardage, you know. Houston torched them. You know, even San Francisco at the beginning of the season was able to move. It. Obviously, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, ran all over them back on a Sunday night game in September. But the last couple of weeks against Seattle and last night against the Giants, you're seeing they're doing something different there in the secondary. A little concerned about the few injuries they picked up last night. We're still waiting to hear back on Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie. He uh, had an MRI on his foot today. They did take X-rays last night and said that the. He didn't break anything, and they're thinking he might just have a low ankle sprain. Um, At least that's what they're hoping. But definitely the secondary is what they need to shore up. And I think if Carolina, you know, I know there's grumblings about the loan being replaced – you know, it's almost kind of disappointing to me. You know, after throwing six interceptions in the playoff game, and I know he hasn't performed much better this season. You know, he threw three interceptions again yesterday. You know, if he happens to play, I'm sure they are for whatever quarterback is going to come out and play. And, you know, again, they just need to be more consistent in, uh, in the uh, defensive uh, secondary.
3: All right, and we'll give you about 30 seconds in closing. What's your prediction for the game in roughly 30 seconds or less?
5: As far as the score goes, I think Caroline's going to keep it close. I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals got to be careful of a letdown. You know, they, they came up with a big win, and now they're playing. They see an opponent who has a low record, a team that probably isn't going to make the playoffs this year, but they got to maintain that focus. And, you know, they did that last week against Seattle, so I think they will pull out the victory. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to say 28-20 at this point.
3: Scott Allen Lead writer over at RaisingZona.com. Scott, thanks for taking time to talk to us this week.
5: Thank you, John. I appreciate it very much.
3: Scott is pretty confident. And why not? I mean, he has a reason to be. I want to unload some statistics that will help explain his confidence. Consider this for a minute. In six games this year, the Panthers have given up 145 points. That's good enough for 21st in the league. But here is where it gets really Ugly. Check this out. Opponents have scored five touchdown drives of under 30 yards versus the Panthers this season and four touchdown drives of 10 yards or less. What's worse is that there have been six opponent's possessions resulting in touchdowns of three plays or less. Now, it doesn't end there. Teams facing Carolina this season also have managed field goals on drives of less than 20 yards twice. Now what does that tell you? Are you sick yet? Wait, no no wait, it gets worse. The Panthers have also had touchdowns scored against them this season on two interception returns, one fumble return, one punt return, and one kickoff return. What we just broke down amounts to 76 points or 52% of the points allowed by this team this season. That's an average of almost 13 points per game. 13 points. John Fox wouldn't commit early in this week. Instead, he said that he'd evaluate the quarterback position later. He is asked on the team syndicated radio show Panther Talk Monday night about Danny Crossman, the Panther special teams coordinator. In fact, the caller was blunt with him asking why Crossman still had a job. Fox defended him. Look. I have no problem with Fox defending his players and his coaches publicly. That's what he should do. But frankly, I hope he's privately ripping everybody a new one. Look, I've defended John Fox, and I still think he's a heck of a coach. But maybe it's happened. Maybe what Mike Minner told us last week about players hearing the same old message week in and week out has finally come to pass. Fox, you want their attention again? Quit talking. That's right. Don't say anything except this. You're out. He's in. As you do that, changing the lineups. What do you have to lose? Your job? That's probably already gone anyway, pal. Try something. Anything. Matt Moore may not win the game in Arizona for you, but to be perfectly honest with you, coach, not many of us felt as if Jake would have won that game for us either. Switch it up. Give it a go. You won't know until you try. Think of it like what your mom used to tell you about broccoli. You know, try it, you might like it. And maybe you won't. Maybe more stinks up the joint, but it's not like Jake has you on a winning streak and you're afraid to take him out, now is it? Maybe it won't matter. It probably won't. And that's why my prediction is Arizona 30, Carolina 14. I want to thank Tom Sorensen for being with us. Tom's work can be found in the Charlotte Observer. A tip of the cap to Scott Allen for speaking to us. Check him out at RaisingZona.com And as always, my appreciation to Nick Yeoman for all of his help. Log on to YouTube and search for Big Nick 2700 for his latest Carolina Panthers videos. Nick, we could not do this show without you. And be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there, even if you think we kind of stink. And don't forget to leave your thoughts on the team or the show on CCR's hotline by calling 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave
1: Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand
0: and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer
2: than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.
0: Finer than to be in Carolina for a Carolina fan.